Welcome everyone, this is episode 8 of OSUZ 544's Freelance, the Anti-Romance. This is the audiobook version. I'm your humble reader, beta reader number 3, and as always, if you like this, please check out the book version available on Amazon.com or at Aussie's website at osuz504.tech. That's www.osuz504.tech. There are several other books, blogs, and in-progress stories available for reading and opinions, so be sure to check it out. Now on with the story. Section 5. Difficult terrain means nothing to a rogue. To everyone else, it'll ruin their night. Erica made a face. The water tastes like fish. Marcus looked up from washing the dishes, looked into her glass. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Drink some water, Erica. It's good for you. This is the only time I can check to make sure you're not going to die of dehydration. I'm not drinking that. Don't be so childish. Water can't taste like fish. It does. Drink. No. Oh, for the love of... Marcus wrapped a soapy hand around the cup and took a swig. He promptly felt his face screw up in disgust. The water tastes like fish. How can treated water be slimy like that? Erica nodded and moved him aside, getting on her hands and knees underneath the sink. We're on public water supply here, right? Yes, I think. Oh, okay. I'll just install a water treatment system. I think it's too soft and we can taste the chlorination byproducts and the corrosion chemicals. What byproducts and corrosion chemicals? The ones that are in all public water supplies so we don't die. She shooed him away. Go. I will do this. Dozura, you have a draft for book five due on Friday. Silence. This Friday? She finally asked. As if you don't know. Yes, Friday. Hmm... How far along are you in it? Well, Erica, it's not going great. I'm sure I can get it done by Friday. Send me what you have. I'll read it at work today. Uh, So, yes, about that. He started to get a sinking feeling in his stomach. Yes, is there something you want to tell me? Nope. All he could see was her butt as she shoved herself back under the sink. Friday, absolutely. Send you what I have today. Sure thing. Erica. Bye. Have a great day. I sat in my new room. We were on a ship, on the ocean. I'd never seen the ocean before, even though I'd lived in the city of the sea. I believe that a sea is characterized by being surrounded by land on at least three sides and has a higher overall salinity content. The name is a misnomer. I was lying in a bunk snug between two bulkheads. It actually looked very similar to my old room. I was different, though. Much different. I traced a new latticework of scars. I remember the woman who did it. Layla. I didn't feel anything. It was like something inside me was still asleep. Alvin had seemed to expect that and just nodded when I mentioned it. You've been asleep for a long time, TK. Most of your brain and body were shut down to support all that machinery. It may take you years to wake up. He passed me a journal. The pages were thin and extremely fine. It was wrapped in a leather cover with a slender mechanical pencil tucked into the flap, and it looked old. This looks old. I let it sit in my hands. Something about it felt important, somehow. Necessary. What am I supposed to do with it? He looked a little startled and opened it for me, moving my hand to take the pencil and writing for me my name on the inside page. T.K. My hand looked surprisingly small against his, and the letters pleased me for some reason. I'm sorry, kiddo. He released my fingers and dug around in his pack for a minute, emerging with a tiny battered paperback book. The old kind. The kind that weren't allowed in the world anymore. I forgot that you don't know how to read or write. I can read and write. I tapped the journal. But this looks like drawing. I let my fingers follow the curve of the words. All I can do is type. Oh, well then, you don't need a computer to write. You should learn how to draw these words yourself, so that way you can keep a record of your life. Why would I need a record? Isn't everything backed up to the server anyway? He shook his head again, surprised. Uh, TK, do you know what's happened to you? I shook my head. You're no longer in service. You no longer have a server. If you die, there isn't a copy of you waiting to be activated. Your memories will die with you. It's not just your physical implants that are gone. You're mortal, like the rest of us. 
He paused. And you're also free to feel and process information for yourself. You don't have an AI to parse information for you. You don't have a set of instructions. Your emotions are your own. You can dream. So what do you want? What do you feel? It may take you a long time to figure out how to deal with that. He patted the book again. Sometimes keeping a record can speed up the journey or point you in the right direction when you're too confused. It was sitting on my lap now, waiting. My first attempts at writing, and it looked ugly and mishappen. Writing my own thoughts, not a report or a data transfer, felt terrifying. What do I say? There's nothing interesting enough about me to be remembered. But my fingers moved anyway, and I wrote almost unconsciously. Today is my birthday. I am not sure how old I am. I am not sure where I am. I am not sure what I am. But today, at least, I am something. I wonder what will happen tomorrow. I closed the book. And then it stopped. Ended. No mas. Marcus hit the scroll button again. Nothing. This was it. The entirety of book five, which was due Friday. There had to be more. He checked the file size and groaned. I'm going to kill her, he muttered. She's ruining my life. He dialed her cell number. No response. He texted. Erica, there are barely two pages here. Where's the rest? Message not delivered. He started to get a familiar bad feeling about things. Marcus snatched up his coat and stuffed his books and computer into his bag. She never does this to Tina, he thought. No, her romances are always on time, with a fucking bow on the top. Hey, Chris called after him as he started to lope towards the elevator. Where are you going? Barely ten o'clock. Author flight risk, he yelled back to him and jabbed his finger at the down button on the elevator. Tell Veronica we may not be able to make the draft review Friday. For Erica? Who else? Marcus watched the elevator doors open far, far too slowly. The apartment was quiet. Too quiet. Plumbing was strewn around the kitchen in a way that made Marcus think he was about to spend a ridiculous amount of money to hire someone to fix whatever she'd done. The little knot Roomba was stuck in the middle of the debris field, gamely trying its best to shove bits and pieces around, but there was no author in his place. Her computer was gone. Her backpack was gone. Her hygiene kit was gone. Her shoes were gone. He groaned deep in his throat as he saw the scribbled note on the coffee table. I wonder if it just says gone for smokes back in 15. Hope springs eternal. The tiny scrap had four words, hastily scrawled on it. Research. Be back soon. Liar, he said out loud. How much are GPS tracking devices? Would she notice if I implanted one under her skin? Veronica stood in front of his cubicle, arms crossed, irritation splayed all over her face. Where is she, Marcus? The last time we talked, she had two pages done out of a 300-page book deal, and I was about to lose some money. Please tell me something good. I don't know where she is. There is no copy. I asked you to tell me something good. Chris pushed his chair out a little so he could talk with them from his desk. You know, she did say it was research. What's going on in the book right now? Or what is it supposed to be happening? The main character just escaped from her rescuers with a kid scheduled to be sold. She'd planned for them to live on the street for a while before getting picked up by one of the corporate hospitals in Undercity. Chris nodded. Sounds like you're looking for a hospital and a homeless shelter, probably one that specializes in kids. That's brilliant, Chris. Brilliant. Marcus turned his attention to his computer. Veronica slapped a number of hard copy stories on his desk. Do it on your own time, she said. If she's going to blow apart our schedule, figure out how to fix it and put together the magazine copy for this month. Veronica, would the press cover a GPS device for her? Marcus brought up a web page. I'm thinking we could just attach this to her computer cord so that we could find her. No, she's your girlfriend. Ask her why she keeps shutting off her phone when you want to talk to her. Chris said, you know, you should be writing a blog about this. You could name it something catchy, like Babysitting Spock or something, and just write about these experiences. It'd be great. Hell, I'd read it. Me too, said Veronica, even if it was just to know whether we were going to make our deadlines with her. I really hope she isn't living on the street and that she's not getting into vans without windows or adopting children that already have parents or any number of things she would probably do. Dating Seven of Nine, Day One. Hello, readers. So glad you can join me in my own personal little hell today. 
For those few who don't know me, I'm the significant other of the renowned author Erica Kane, winner of the prestigious Nebula Awards, as well as nominated for this year's Hugo. Significant other makes it seem as though I am significant. Let's clarify that. I'm the domestic help babysitter she occasionally sleeps with. Today, in a fury of frustration and unfocused energy caused by Miss Kane, I am starting a blog to record my experiences. Think of this less as a blog and more of a diary of a trap test subject, since that is how I think of myself most days. For those of you not in the immediate vicinity of Underdog Press editorial department, let me bring you up to speed. Our fearless creator has disappeared. She has disappeared just days before the first draft of her highly lauded terraforming book 5 was due to go through its first round of edits. We have no information on her whereabouts. Although, anyone near a Catholic hospital, children's hospital, or who sees a deranged petite blonde woman wandering near a homeless shelter is encouraged to phone underdog press member. If anyone can help us get her back before she is inevitably murdered, I would love the opportunity to kill her myself, because she is the devil. For your viewing enjoyment, please feel free to click the below link to the Chicago Booklist recent nomination party for this same author. It's a treat. Day two. Still no word on our errant creator. Thank you to everyone who offered sightings or commentary on her uh, hilarious performance link. I know. I know she's a weirdo. To the two or three extremely creepy dudes that requested her picture and or intimate life details presumably to jerk off to, please go away and think about your life choices. Don't be gross. I personally checked out a number of potential leads, but so far, no luck. My apartment is still empty, and my inbox still needs a book draft. The world is a very depressing place today. Although I was very encouraged to see how many fans she has and how many people actually cared enough to look in their neighborhoods. I doubt she is anywhere as romantic as Cleveland, L.A., or San Francisco, however. We're thinking she's still probably in the Chicago area. That might be a mistaken hope. You never know with her. Day three. Well, another day has come and gone, and no snarky writer has come back to torture me with poison, robotics, or biological hazards. I'm almost lonely. It's been three days since anyone has shoved a questionable substance into my mouth, lit anything on fire, or removed important equipment from my apartment to combine with chemicals in ways that should be regulated by the federal government, and probably are. I've started to get used to not waking up sweating with fear. How boring. To the doctors and nurses at St. Mary's Hospital, thank you so much for your time yesterday. I was extremely gratified you went through your volunteer roles and checked on each of your candy stripers for me. And uh, creepy dudes, it's candy stripers, not candy strippers. Stop picturing my girlfriend as a candy stripper. We've gotten quite a few doctors mentioning that they think she is a high-functioning autistic savant. Yes, thank you very much for your interest. We all knew that already. I would imagine that anyone who read any of her books right now is nodding in agreement. They'd probably also tell you that she's a genius. What you might not know is that she's incapable of doing chores, feeding herself, or understanding human motivations that have anything to do with greed, self-interest, or hatred. It can be extremely irritating to those of us who can. Day 4. Who was it who said that they enjoyed deadlines? That they liked the whooshing sound as they made as they flew past? Well, it's that time for us, folks. I was supposed to have a completed book ready for attention today. Instead, we are still searching for this crazy woman. No information has come up. Though I did receive a text last night that read, I'm fine, almost done. That's it. So at least she's not dead. Or at least she has a courteous murderer. Either is a win. My boss is, as we speak, looming over my desk right now, quizzing me on adapting to this new timeline and scheduling a new print series. This is challenging, considering I don't know where our creator is, or what state the book is in, or if she's even going to be capable of finishing the revisions when the axe murderer she's obviously run afoul of is done slicing off her hands and feet. These are just the th kinds of things that I worry about. She built a robot for me to help clean the apartment. It has caught on fire twice before. Last night, it lit itself on fire for a third time. I like to think that it's lonely for her and just expressing its feelings. I can sympathize. Day 5. We made the local news last night. I was interviewed by a very nice lady from Channel 5, and she promised they would broadcast the story to see if anyone can help find her. The reporter asked for her picture, and I realized that I didn't have any. Not even a biopic for her books. All that's in her file is a biohazard symbol over her pen name. That's OSUZ504 for you new fans out there. I'm a terrible boyfriend. I already know. Please don't write me to make me feel worse. 
Considering that we always tell authors that they are responsible for their own marketing, including on social media, I can only assume that she is taking that advice to her usual extremes. Instead of a Twitter account, she has forced us to organize a citywide manhunt. I'd like to ask that any used bookstore owners or professionals or conductors out there also take notice. If found in the wild, she can be lured into captivity with the promise of free books or a train trip. For the train trip, I believe she likes to hang her head out the window to let her tongue flap in the wind. Please adjust your bribery statements as appropriate. Day 6. I'm sorry, everyone. I don't have anything funny to say today. Nothing new to report. Day 7. Waiting in my inbox this morning was a complete draft of Book 5. Complete. Nearly 400 pages worth. Still no sign of the author, but I'm hopeful this means she's coming home soon. If she does come home, can anyone recommend a good vet that would insert one of those pet tracking chips into her? I feel a sudden need to know where she is at every possible moment. For you fans out there, the book is looking amazing. Wherever she was, she was doing good work. Day 8 So, at approximately 2 a.m. today, I was awakened by a miniature Sasquatch form rifling through my cupboards. It seemed gigantic, monstrous in the darkness. When I turned on the lights, however, I saw a tiny blonde woman perched in front of the refrigerator shoving cheese into her mouth. She was covered in body fluids that I cannot and don't want to name, soaking wet and missing her shoes. I can only assume that the rare beast currently in my kitchen is actually Erica Kane, who has graced us with her presence at last. Once I've hosed her off and taken her to the vet, I'm sure she'll be more than willing to answer questions and comment to all the outpouring of support and interest of her fans. Such a shame that such a promising young author will have to be locked in her room for the remainder of her life. Well, these things happen. Thank you, everyone, for helping me look for her. Section 6. Roll for Initiative. The words the DM lives for. Ouch! 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 Marcus, that hurts! I don't care. He hauled her unceremoniously up off the floor, dragging her to the bathroom. I hate this, Erica. I hate when you do this. I told you last time that you cannot leave like this. You have to call. You have to check in. He dropped her into the tub and turned the water on her. You do not just show up in the middle of the night covered in filth. But I left a note. He ignored her, pulling off her clothes, wrenching her hands down so he could get her shirt off and then shoving it in her face. What is this, Erica? Is this blood? Was this your blood? Yes, out! Why are you doing this? He grabbed soap and a washcloth and started scrubbing, paying no attention to her. You are filthy. You walk in here covered in blood, smelling like a sewer. You didn't tell me what you were doing, where you were going, or if you were safe, after I specifically asked you to. He scrubbed harder. She cried out and tried to push him away. Marcus, that hurts. Of course it hurts, he said, pushing her head down so he could rub shampoo in her hair and rinse her off. Everything you do hurts. Don't exaggerate. I was fine. Safe. She held up her arms so he could rotate the shower head around her. It's too hot, she said. Don't be such a baby. She shut her eyes as he rinsed her off. Okay, I'm clean. Okay, you can stop now. Marcus, stop. He stopped. She finished rinsing her hair in silence. I don't understand why you're mad, she said very clearly. He handed her a towel. I'm sick of you not understanding. You have to make an effort, even a small one. You are hurting me too, he said back to her. Where were you? She sighed and toweled off, stepping out of the tub. Marcus caught her as she wobbled. At a homeless shelter, just a couple streets over, I wanted to see what it was like. He felt his hands tighten on her arms and had to make a conscious effort to release them. That's dangerous, Erica. Dangerous! He shook her a little. Are you hurt? Why is there blood on your clothing? I fell and cut myself. She showed him the inside of her arm. It's fine. I went to the nurse station. I just didn't have another shirt to wear. Rage. A kind of rage he hadn't even known himself capable of, sort of washed over him. His vision actually went red. He could almost hear blood vessels popping in his head. He grabbed her shoulders, shaking her until he could feel her feet lifting off the floor. You are never to leave like that again. Do you hear me? You don't go anywhere unless you tell me exactly, with GPS coordinates, where you are going to be, who you are going to be with, and when you are coming home. This will never happen again. Do you understand me? No, 
no, I don't understand you, she shouted back. Why is this important? Why do you think you can yell at me? I can't live like this, Erica. I can't live knowing that you are doing something stupid by yourself. I can't find you sitting in your own blood in the dark. Do you understand me? No, I don't understand anything you do. I just want to know things. Why do you keep yelling at me? He folded her up, sitting on the bathroom floor, crushing her little frame to him. Stop leaving me, he said softly, letting the red haze ease. Please, just let me in a little. Stop disappearing. I can't do this again. She put her arms around him awkwardly. Okay, don't be sad, Marcus. I won't disappear again. You know, she started slowly as if pulling something deep out of her brain. You could come with me. You don't hurt like being around other people. You could come with. I have to work. Do you? She stopped again. I know that, and I know I'm not supposed to ask you to go. I mean, I know that. But we could go. Where? Well, I want to see the temples and cities of the Mayan and Incan empires. I want to walk through the sky islands of Tibet and cross the Sahara by camel. His eyes widened. For your books? No, for my soul. She settled herself more comfortably in his lap. I have this need, Marcus. I want to see everything, drink up all the knowledge of the world. It's as if all the human experience, all the souls of everything, making up our existence was this great river of light, and I want to drown in it. Her face was upturned to his, lit like the day she put on the light show at the office, just joy rippling through every fiber of her being. For some reason, it frightened him. Why do you have to drown in it, he whispered, and why do you have to experience all of it? I don't know. I just know that I want to rip open the limits of my own brain and spirit and just let it take me someplace beautiful, terrifying. She let her eyes meet his. He saw layers of gold, shimmering hints of green, and nebulas of space dust, and just for a moment, he thought he could see the place where she went when writing her books. It made him shiver. I can't just leave. We can do that later. No, no, there is no later, Marcus. I have to know now. I want to drink it all up and drown in the light. Aren't you afraid? Yes, it's wonderful. He shook his head. I don't want to drown, Erica. Not yet. Chapter 4 I now realize letting you summon a kraken at will was an extremely poor choice. Section 1. Mapping a Dungeon Why don't we have a rogue? Dad, what'd you do to Erica? Elena watched the older woman with concern. She's definitely not herself. Marcus sighed and felt another twist of guilt spasm in his chest. I know, I know, I lost my temper with her last night. He slid breakfast onto Elena's plate. I just... I just lost it, I guess. Elena took a bite, still watching Erica, who'd retreated into the corner, and was actually using her desk for once. Yeah, I read your blog. I heard. Gosh, it looks really weird to see her actually writing at a desk and following instructions. Don't remind me. He felt a little bit sick. It's all fun and games until someone traumatizes the emotionally fragile autistic savant, huh? What'd you do? I yelled at her and dumped her into the shower. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. He motioned to the ghost sitting at the desk at the other side of the room. Well, that's the result, so obviously it was. Elena let out a long whistle. The savant in question dropped the privacy curtain around her, shrouding the desk from view, and Marcus closed his eyes. I'm going to hell, aren't I? Probably, Elena agreed. Want me to try talking to her? Yes. Elena eased open the curtains. Erica was typing furiously at her computer. Erica, hi. Just wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing, you know. You don't really seem like yourself today. Hello, Elena. Erica didn't take her eyes off her computer. Did you need something? Yes. Dad's worried about you. She paused then, hands hovering over the keyboard. Worried? Why? He says you won't look at him and you've been avoiding him lately, after he yelled at you. Erica nodded, obviously hearing something she expected. Yes, that would make sense. She stopped talking. Elena waited. Erica didn't start again. Are you okay then? Hmm? Erica shoved her glasses up her nose. Oh, yes. I just want to get all this down before I forget. 
forget what? All this tension and drama. Your dad is so intense. I just had to write it out. His eyes went red. That actually happened. Can you imagine? I don't know why or what I did, but it was incredible. Elena frowned. What do you mean you don't know why or what you did? He was worried about you. I don't know what that means. Well, like it it affected him emotionally that you weren't around, and then he felt guilty for yelling at you. Erica stopped typing again, focusing intently on Micah's face. On Elena's face. I did that? He wanted me to talk to him and be around him that much that he ruptured the blood vessels in his own eyes? Uh, well, you know, when you say it like that... Erica bent down and flipped open a romance novel with a tab note showing it to Elena. See? In the books, men always react that way, and it's supposed to denote something special about their relationship to the female. Is this a courting ritual of some kind? Elena looked at her in wonder. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm going to go ahead and tell Dad you're not mad at him. Erica furrowed her eyebrows. Of course I'm not mad at him. Why would I be mad at him? He yelled at you. Well, I yelled back. He said you wouldn't look at him. Erica nodded. I can't talk to people or look at people when I have thoughts like these. It distracts me too much to get the stories or the ideas down on paper, and then I can't process what happened. It's very frustrating. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, one sec. Elena ducked out of the alcove. Marcus was scrubbing the same strip of counter he had started scrubbing at the start of the morning. It was very clean. Elena perched on the bar stool at the kitchen counter. She's not mad at you. She's not afraid of you. She asked if your protectiveness and anger was some sort of courting ritual, and she's trying to record her emotions through one of her books. Not sure which one. So she can process what happened. Are you fucking kidding me? Marcus stormed over to the alcove and opened the curtain. Erica. She blinked at him. Yes? Let's get a couple things straight as you process this. Her hands dropped from the keyboard. She pushed her glasses up her nose. Okay. I love you, and it's perfectly acceptable for me to need to know where you are, and you need to take better care of yourself. Oh. Protectiveness is a courting ritual. It's how you know that I love you and care about what happens to you. Okay. I'm not supposed to have paroxysms of rage because my lover has disappeared because she would normally feel the same way about me. Okay. Do you feel that way about me? How would you feel if I disappeared tomorrow? She paused, blinking. I would assume that you've left me and you didn't want me anymore. After one day, he said incredulously, you'd give up on me after one day? She nodded. Okay, <clears throat> so if you would assume that I'd abandon you after one day, why did you come back home after more than a week? Why didn't you figure I'd lost interest in you when you left and you couldn't come back? I... She cocked her head to the side as if in surprise. I don't know. I just knew that you were waiting for me. Good. Well, that's something at least. What if I promised that it would take more than one day of me being gone for me to have to abandon you? Let's make a deal. If I leave you for 21 days straight without communicating with you, you can assume that I've abandoned you. Otherwise, if there's any level of communication or instruction, you can assume that I still love you and want you around. Deal? She nodded. I would also absolutely appreciate it if you would initiate some of the female courting rituals noted in your books, by the way. It would help me to know that you love me back. Okay, she said, looking a little skeptical. But the women all have weird traditions and behaviors that seem really hard to imitate. Do your best, he said, and closed the alcove. <sighs> he moaned, covering his eyes, inhaling deeply and letting the breath go in a long, deeply frustrated sigh. I keep forgetting you can't take anything for granted with her. You got it rough, Dad. Sucks to be you. Why am I doing this to myself? Marcus asked rhetorically. Uh, because she can fix your plumbing and is way more interesting than 99% of the people on the planet? We do save on home repair costs, he sighed. And she does write great stories. Too bad I'm in most of them. Oh well. Day 12. I kicked a puppy. I felt terrible. The puppy didn't even notice. It asked me about courting rituals. What cosmic sin did I commit to earn this level of torture? Sunday afternoon, Marcus's favorite day. 
Elena had just left for her mom's. Weak winter afternoon sunlight lit up the apartment gold. He let his book fall to his chest, comfortably closing his eyes. To his surprise, he heard Erica humming and starting to sing in a husky contralto. He stopped to enjoy it. She continued humming for a moment before drifting back to her project. I didn't know you could sing, Dozura. Hmm? Oh, I can't. That just seems to happen when I'm feeling peaceful. What was the song? No idea. You made it up? Oh, no, I probably heard it somewhere. It's pretty, though, isn't it? She let herself hum it again, obviously relaxed and enjoying the sounds. Erica, do you think maybe the reason you have trouble with emotions and motivations is just because no one's ever paid attention to yours? Why would they? She kept humming, sketching something that seemed to grow and change with the vibrations. Have you ever felt something with another person? No, mostly people tell me I'm wrong or don't feel those things, so why share them? But I can do whatever I want in books. She crawled over so she could lean her head against the chest. It takes me days to feel something, but not around you. You have colors sparking all over, and you remind me of soap bubbles. Everything is so bright and fast. He ran his fingers through her hair. Occasionally, throughout the week, he would hear her singing, and it made him smile. Day 22. She started singing in the house. It makes me ridiculously happy. I believe I am, what's the word? Ah, yes, whipped. Marcus, look at this. Marcus didn't look up and didn't put his book down. No. Come on, we should try it. He sighed, glancing over to her side of the bed. She'd stacked it liberally with all kinds of research material. There were piles of books on the floor, on the nightstand, propping up her pillow. She was earnestly looking at one of her romance research books. There were diagrams involved. Dozura, we can try anything you want. Just please don't read them to me from a book. She seemed genuinely confused. Why not? There's some good stuff in here. Listen to this. Originally termed the Anjou by the Kama Sutra, the close-up is also known as the curled angel position. Still lying on their sides, the man spoons the woman from behind. The woman then curls her legs and brings her knee up towards her chest, allowing her partner to penetrate her from behind. The close-up is excellent for stimulating her G-spot, which often leads to explosive female orgasms. Doesn't that sound promising? Erica, sweetheart, I've, I've told you. When you show me diagrams of these things, I feel like I'm doing a math problem, not making love to you. Well, you are sort of doing a math problem, she said, turning the diagram to the side. How am I supposed to wrap my legs around the outside of yours like that? She looked adorable with her head tilted, glasses slipping off her nose. And how do you get enough leverage to thrust? Are you supposed to thrust with this one? I wish they put vector lines in here to show movement suggestions. Or an exploded detail of the genital region. You know, you'd, you'd think that you'd need more mechanical advantage to really get it in there, you know? He started to laugh and pulled the book out of her hands. Strip woman, we will test it without the diagram. If I require more mechanical advantage, I'm sure you can write the author and ask for a corrective addendum to be issued. Section 2. Accepting a quest. Don't worry about the actual instructions. No one listens to the DM anyway. I'm home, Marcus called, kicking off his shoes and dropping his bag with a relieved sigh. Welcome home, Erica said, squished under the coffee table, furiously typing. Wait one second. Okay, he said, freezing in place. Wait one second usually means I've applied a topical poison to the floor and you'll be killed instantly if you don't follow the exact path I've laid out. Or maybe... I've genetically altered the cat to hunt humans for sport. He's triggered by movement. If you try to get past the door, he will rip your spine out through the back of your neck. All of these are possible. She uncurled from the floor and came to meet him at the door, removing his coat and greeting him with a deep, passionate kiss. I read that we should kiss twice a day for a minimum of seven seconds, and I was going to do this naked since a lot of men seem to have that fantasy, but Elena brought a friend home today and I didn't want to embarrass her. He smiled and returned the kiss, letting his arms fold around her. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad to go adventuring. Maybe I could drown if it was with her. Good plan, Dozura. I'm glad you've scheduled our time out for maximum couple happiness. I'm sure Elena appreciates it. He released her and went to change into more comfortable clothes and started to put dinner together. 
On his way to the kitchen, he unconsciously opened Elena's door, about to ask her what she and her friend wanted, only to see the girls mostly naked, Elena straddling the other girl, her face in her hands. Shock and sheer horror spasmed over her face as the door opened. Dad! Marcus slammed the door shut. He went back to the living room and sat down. Erica glanced at him, concerned. Something wrong? My kid's gay. I think she just got to third base with her girlfriend in there. His chest hurt. My kid. That was my kid in there. She's too young for any of that. She's just a baby. What does baseball have to do with being gay? No, I just walked in on my kid about to have sex. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. What are you going to do? He stared at the wall. I have no idea. What should I do? Oh, don't look at me. I'm not parenting material. She's gay? Looks like. Why are you not more surprised about this? She's been reading my Yuri books for a while. I sort of guessed. What's Yuri? Girl love manga. Oh my god, what am I going to tell her mother? She's going to flip out. Maybe let Era Elena decide that? I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. That seems better. Still, she's a baby. You know, in most cultures until the last hundred years or so, women were considered sexually mature and ready for marriage at their first menstrual cycle. Hush, I'm processing here. Does she even know how to be safe? How are you supposed to be safe with women? Are there any special precautions? I don't even know. Erica got up to retrieve one of her reference books and dropped it in his lap. There you go. Guide to all things sex-related. I'm sure there's stuff in there about proper lesbian safety protocols. Jesus, she's just a baby. She's too young for this. You keep saying she's a baby. I do not think that word means what you think it means. There was an awkward commotion in the hallway. The other girl ran out of the apartment. Elena briefly attempted to follow her, gave up, and just stood looking mortified. Dad. She gulped and stopped. Oh, nope, nope, not doing this, and stomped back into her room to slam the door. Well, it could be worse, Erica said dryly. She could be straight. Men are the worst. I agree, but I feel like I should defend my gender here. Mm, don't bother. There was a pause. Marcus tried to think of something supportive he could do for her, but all he could come up with was, Erica, why do you have Yuri books? Is there something you haven't told me? She shrugged. Who better to learn about sex from than other women? It also gives great descriptions and pictures to help with the tricky sex scenes. You know, if you harnessed all that brain power for good instead of evil, you could easily solve every major dilemma facing mankind. We would never we would revere you as a queen. Instead of a batshit basket case? Yep. I'm just putting off going to talk to my daughter here. Feel free to keep me occupied until hell freezes over. We didn't even have the sex talk with her. He let that sink in for a moment. Oh my god, I didn't have a sex talk with my 16-year-old daughter. I am a terrible father. How could I have let this happen? She patted his hand consolingly. There, there. I didn't get the sex talk either. Hell, I didn't even have a father to mess up not giving it to me, and I turned out fine. Who says, he thought, manfully not voicing it. She scowled at him as if she heard it anyway. I came out fine. Just go in there and be kind. She's a good kid. You're a good dad. All this is going to work out. Don't be scared. She gave him a little shove. Up and at him. He stopped. When did you know you were, you know, straight, ready for sex? Were you around Elena's age? She shook her head. At 16, I was working on my doctorate. I was a tangled mess of stressed out nerd, barely able to function in class, much less interact with the opposite sex. I studied all the time. I didn't even know sex was a thing until I got my first real job. I figured out my orientation about a week after meeting you, but I don't get out much. I feel like Elena's maybe much more healthy. Good grief, Erica. What has your life been like? Simple and extremely straightforward, no pun intended. She made chewing motions. Go, stop being such a coward. Get in there and talk about sex with your daughter. Marcus groaned. This is so going to suck. Are you sure you wouldn't be a better choice? You know, advice from a woman and all? She gave him a shocked look. My only real experience is banging her dad, and you want me to go mentor your daughter during this awkward scenario? How much more miserable do you want her to be? Absolutely not. You, at least, have had sex with a woman, so the two of you have a lot in common. Go. 
Marcus felt his face getting red. He got up, took two steps, took a deep breath. This was always supposed to be her mother's job, he thought resentfully. What am I supposed to say? Hey, understand we both like girls. Great, use protection. Is that it? He glanced at the book Erica had tossed at him, still clutched in one hand, and timidly moved to tap on Elena's door. Micha, honey, can I come in? Oh, so now you knock. Fine. She was curled up with her knees to her chest, steadfastly looking anywhere but at him. He cleared his throat and handed her the book. Erica thought this might help. Thanks, she said, swiping it out of his fingers without actually looking at him. So, that was your girlfriend? Yeah, I guess, she muttered, if she even talks to me again. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. He tapped his fingers awkwardly against his thigh. So, girls, huh? She didn't say anything. Nothing wrong with that, just a little unexpected, that's all. I'm not really sure, um... Tell her you love her and accept her, came Erica's shouted voice. It's no big deal. I'm doing that, he yelled back. So, Elena, honey, it's really not a big deal. We love you and accept you and anyone you want to bring home. Tell her that I have way better books she should be reading and that girls still need protection. HPV is a thing. Be quiet, he yelled back. We're getting to that part. He cleared his throat. So, yeah, you should still use protection for mouth stuff. And uh, he coughed and felt his throat seize up. You know, other stuff. Since when you share body fluids... Does she know where to get female condoms? I don't know, he yelled back. Do you? He asked Elena. She shook her head. She doesn't know. Okay, I'll look some stuff up for her. Tell her that I'll get her some real Yuri so she knows what to do next time. Citrus is lame. No porno, Marcus yelled back at her. Keep it vanilla. Of course I'll keep it vanilla. You won't do any of the hardcore stuff anyway, so all I can try is vanilla. Marcus felt his face flush again. Elena was laughing into her knees. Yeah. Baby, this isn't a big deal at all. I'll make sure she doesn't give you anything too crazy. Elena laughed harder. Thanks, Dad, she gasped, wiping tears away. Marcus, I found some stuff we could try. Elena, you should check this out. Marcus closed his eyes as Elena got up. He caught her hand. Sweetie, please, if you love me, never let me see what you two discuss, okay? Okay, Dad, she patted his hand, still chuckling to herself, and leaned down for a hug. You know, everyone always says that coming out or doing stuff like this is so hard. I don't know anyone that's had their parents get them porn and prophylactics within ten minutes of finding out. You guys are the best. Elena, there's a website for you. Of course there is, Tia. I bet I've already seen it. Coming. Elena turned back to him. Just do me a favor and don't tell Mom yet, okay? I don't think she's going to take this as well. Elena, oh my god, this looks so gross. Come and see. Please don't give her any ideas, said Marcus. I can barely keep up with some of her experiments as it is. Elena laughed, leaving him to go to watch porn with Erica. What have I done? Section 3. Non-player characters and other wastes of time. Erica, Professora, what are you doing? She was rooting around at the back of the closet, pulling things out, and a large backpack, the hiking kind, stood prominently on their bed. He'd never seen it before. Packing, she said. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Why are you packing? Where are you going? I don't know yet. I think I might take a train to Utah and walk home. He blinked. What? I'm bored. Once the school robotics competition is over, me and Elena won't have anything to do, and I want to do something interesting. Elena has school still. It's only March. She can't go with you. I know. She threw a beat-up pair of BDUs on the pile. Why do you have an army uniform? Cheap at the thrift market. Good for hiking. She paused. Hey, we're talking. I'm actually telling you things. This is progress, right? She turned back to the closet. 
He'd never really thought about where she stored all of her projects, but peeking over her shoulder, saw that she'd built a locking cabinet into the back of the room. Industrial glassware, metal-lined canisters, a small electrical outlet. I hope this is lead-lined for radioactivity, he thought, only partially, partially facetiously. Yes, Alzora, I'm very proud of you. Way to use your big girl words. You want to walk from somewhere in Utah back to Chicago? Yep, I want time to think. My roommate in college once said that South Dakota badlands were incredibly beautiful. And there are a whole bunch of conspiracy theories that say the U.S. government is hiding alien bodies and ships there. She stopped as if captivated by the thought. I want that to be true so much. He shook his head. Anyway, she continued, book five is ready for printing. I haven't sold anything lately to underdog. I'm stuck. My brain is sputtering. I need new things. I'll write a travel book about the experience. Maybe I'll get inspired to write something new on the way. Oh, she found whatever she was looking for in the cabinet. I knew I'd built something like this. She glanced at him, seeing his inquiring look. Solar charger for computer and phone. He looked at her beat-up laptop and leather journal sitting on top of pillows. You need one of those computers they make for the Iraq War. This one looks too sad to use. She shrugged. It's fine. She's a hearty soul. Your computer is female? Yes, it fulfills my need for feminine company since most women won't deal with me with a ten-foot pole. Well, you could shower more often. Breathe deep the true state of the human condition. Our society's obsession with creams and deodorant and fake smells is weird. I think it's just a way to sell cheap chemicals to people to cause cancer. Tool of the corporate patriarchy to vertically integrate the pharmaceutical and beauty industries. So now it's the corporate patriarchy? It's always been that. I've just neglected to call it that since you're still a corporate stooge trapped in its clutches. She stopped, reaching for her journal. Ooh, that's good. I'll call it Confessions of a Corporate Stooge. It'll be a heartbreaking short story about a man trapped by his own need for security in a dead-end job, fruitlessly selling his own creativity for another's profit. Erica, could you please write something not about me? She looked up at him in confusion. Why? You always have such interesting problems. He closed his eyes and lay down on the bed next to her. Sweetheart, have you ever done anything athletic in your life? Nope she said cheerfully. I tried playing kickball once in PE, but I fell down and cried the whole time, so they let me skip and take a study period instead. I learned Latin that semester. Of course you did. What are you going to eat? She dumped a collection of MREs on him. That should be enough. How far is it anyway? I don't really know. I haven't looked it up. Marcus opened his computer. There's no way that you can do this. Challenge accepted. No, seriously, Erica, look. She rested her chin on his shoulder. Wow, that's really far. And it doesn't even include South Dakota. He looked at her askance. How do you not know that? She shrugged. I only keep useful information in my brain, and that wasn't useful until right now. That's okay. I'll just get off in Glacier National Park and walk the rest of the way. Minnesota is nice in summer, right? That's going to take months. She nodded. Assuming I can walk for eight hours a day at approximately three miles per hour, that would be roughly 65 days of walking. I'll probably cheat once I get to Wisconsin and take the train home, because honestly, who wants to walk through Wisconsin? She got up to continue packing. You're a crazy lady. Yep, can't argue with that. When are you going to do this? She let her head fall back to look at the ceiling. Um, when does the next Empire Builder leave Chicago? He tapped the keys. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., then. 65 days is a lot of walking. I have a lot of thinking to do. I don't want you to be gone for two months. It'll be so boring here. Couldn't you just walk through Minnesota or bring a bike? She stopped suddenly. A bike? Yeah, don't they have those folding ones? You could bike through Glacier and be home in a month. I like this idea very much. She got a considering look on her face before pulling his laptop out of his hands. Let me see, please. Hey! She didn't leave the next day. It took her two hours of furious internet searching and five days of anxious waiting. Is it supposed to come today? Yes, she said, pulling up the tracking number. It's two stops away. Are you sure you can fit everything into a pack that small? Yes, there's a tent, two changes of clothes, a poncho, an extra water can, a food bin... 
and the bike is rated for 80 pounds of gear, and I'm little, so it should be fine. Hmm. She smiled at him. I will name her Amelia. Because she's an adventurer, he asked. Yes, and because she's in green and cocky. She looks like a World War II aviatrix. It's just a bike, Erica. Doesn't look like anything. You have no poetry in your soul. Probably it's my corporate stooge brainwashing kicking in. I'm glad you can recognize this about yourself. The doorbell rang. It's here, she squealed, running into the hallway and dragging in a gigantic box. You can't even carry the box, Erica. There's no way you can do this. She scowled at him. Yes, I may be a pasty nerd, but I am a motivated pasty nerd. I am doing this. Stop being such a Debbie Downer. He felt like an asshole. I just don't see why it's necessary for you to do this so far away. Why can't you do an adventure closer to home? She sighed, exasperated. Why don't you just come with me then? I have to work. Uh-huh. I do. I'd love to join you. Sure. Seriously. She made chicken noises. I am not chicken. She ignored him to pull out the bike assembly and start checking it. The accessories had come yesterday. Pumps, inner tubes, wrenches were all strewn out around the living room. The air took on a faintly greasy, oily perfume. It's just a really long way, Erica. I know. I'll send you postcards and emails every day. Ish. You're really excited about this, aren't you? She nodded. He sighed a little to himself and resolved to try to not be such a jerk about her leaving. How about I try not to be such a jerk in general, he corrected himself and sat down behind her, wrapping his arms around her waist and resting his head on her hair. I'm going to miss you. Good, she said, patting his hands, but not turning away from checking the bike. I like it when you're excited to see me. I'm always excited to see you, he said, nuzzling her neck and pulling her closer against him. Let's not do it here. You'll get grease on your clothes. I'll take the clothes off. Sounds good, she said, turning into him and pressing her mouth against his. Section 4. Don't split the party. It's a cliché for a reason. Seriously. Day 68. My girlfriend left me today to bike ride through the howling wilderness. Evidently, she prefers the thought of being eaten by bears or crushed by a semi-truck to staying at home with me. I'm feeling very put upon here. The house is so empty without her. I don't have anyone to nag. No one bothers me with stupid articles. I don't walk in on her in the bathroom trying to dissolve her own skin in acid to see if it would work. It's just no fun. Even my daughter is bored with me. She just studies in her room. Sure, just because I can't help her with her math homework and I have no interest in robotics or computer programming, it's like we don't have anything in common. Teenagers, huh? Oh, 22 days until she gets on a train to come home. If anyone sees her on the roads out there, please say hello and try not to kill her. And don't give her sugar after 5 p.m. She'll be up all night. Greetings from Haver, Montana. April 1st. Marcus, it's cold here. My feet hurt all the time. I got a flat tire the first day. The air smells like ice and rock. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to tell you. For a writer, thought Marcus, she sucks at description. I hope her book is going better. He flipped the postcard over, a picture of the Rocky Mountains with what might have been a deranged cowboy giving a thumbs up completely dominated the otherwise Ansel Adams-like landscape. He stuck it in a box. We could publish this with whatever she writes on her walkabout. Marcus, no response. Marcus, no response. Marcus, hey buddy, wake up. What do you want to do? Rory was going to try and spring the trap and I asked you to roll initiative. What's the deal? What? Marcus let his hand drop away from his chin and focus back on the map with the tokens on Justin's kitchen table. Sorry, what what are we doing? Elena rolled her eyes and moved his token next to her. Ugh, you are such a basket case. Here, just come up here with me and roll initiative. Is that because Erica's on her trip? Ryan asked, trying manfully not to look down Elena's shirt as she readjusted the pieces. She stared directly into his eyes until he coughed and looked away. Sorry, I read Marcus's blog. Really? Marcus perked up a bit. Yeah, it looks like a whole bunch of people do. I even got a letter from a guy in Montana who said he saw her pedaling down the Interstate 80. She's not biking down the highway, right? That would be dumb. 
asked Justin, rolling initiative for Marcus and noting it down in his book. You're 18, right after Elena. Oh, okay. She might be. I don't know. Her postcard was basically, I'm here, it's cold, bye. Yeah, most guys bitch about their girlfriends talking too much. You seem to not have that issue, Ryan said. Oh, and what would you know about girls, Mr. Smarty Pants? Elena had her head cocked and one eyebrow raised in a way that made her look almost identical to her mother. It made Marcus smile. I mean, hey, I've had girlfriends. Uh-huh. I have. Do me a favor and don't make all your patriarchal sexist stereotype at the table, please, especially when you're just repeating nonsense you've heard from other emotionally repressed male figures in your life. Elena tossed her hair back in a very pretentious manner that made Marcus and Justin roll their eyes at exactly the same time. Marcus glanced at Justin. Are you emotionally repressed? Intensely. Ryan, shut up. Elena, you're being bitchy. Hey, Erica says... Erica is the only one who can say stuff like that and not sound bitchy. Her rules do not apply to you. Now, a slab of wall suddenly grinds upward to the east and a dwarf wearing a turban and chainmail creeps into the tome. He brandishes a shield in front of him as he treads cautiously across the floor. A loud click sounds as the dwarf steps onto one of the floor, style, floor tiles. Then a deafening buzzing rises as locusts pour out from the mouth of the sphinx statues, quickly engulfing him. He tries to fight them off to no avail. When the cloud of insects vanishes, nothing of the dwarf remains but bones and gear. At this moment, the vision leaves you and the mask of Ijin falls to the floor. What do you do? Elena, you go first. I cast Crown of Madness on Roaring. What? What the fuck, Thea? Okay, go ahead and make a wisdom saving throw, Rory, said Justin. Muttering to himself, Ryan made a throw. A two. A fucking two. Marcus laughed. Man, have you ever made a saving throw? We're going to have to get you a scroll of protection or something. Okay, as Thea's vision returns to this world, she sees you, Rory, skulking in the shadows. Frightened, she casts a spell on you. Amicus and Thea, you see a twisted, jagged iron crown around his head, and madness fills his eyes. Ryan, before your next turn, you have to make a melee attack against a creature that Thea chooses, so you lose your turn. Fuck, yelled Ryan. Elena sat back against a chair, looking pleased with herself. That was for talking shit to me. Thea, Justin continued, go ahead and roll for a wild magic surge. That's a percentage die and a d10. Okay, uh, 42. Justin chuckled. Awesome. Thea, just as you see the crown of madness appear around Roy's head, you realize that you have turned yourself accidentally into a potted plant. While a plant, you are incapacitated and have vulnerability to all damage. Elena sulked as the table laughed at her. That's so stupid. It's not even in a table, is it? Did you just make that up? Marcus slid the player's handbook over to her and stuck her finger under the entry. Shit. Well, at least I can control Ryan mentally, so he still loses a turn. But you can't cast any spells, Thea, said Justin. You can't cast any spells, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, this game is dumb. Amicus, Justin continued, it's your turn. I kick over the potted plant. Daddy! Sorry, honey. Justin, I give her a good thwack with my boot. Justin made his face look grave and serious. That's it. Uh, Thea dexterity saving throw with potted plant modifiers. There are no such things. Ryan laughed harder. You're right. Amicus, you swing your boot right in the middle of a lovely marigold arrangement, exploding it into a billion pieces and flinging flower debris into Rory's face, which just seems to increase his frenzy. Thea, you're down to zero hit points and your form reverts. Hmm, she said, glaring at her dad. Marcus held up his hands in retreat. Hey, I was helping. You're back to yourself now, aren't you? It's the principle of the thing, Dad. Sheesh, a little sensitivity for potted plants everywhere. Wandering. I don't know how I know his name or how I met him. I don't know where he come, came from or how he knows what he knows. I can't remember most of our first meetings. I just know that I like his eyes. That's unusual most of the time. I can't look people in the eyes. I look at their noses, at the ground, off into the distance beyond their shoulders. But I know what his eyes look like. They're brown, a deep brown with flecks of black like loamy soil. I don't know what color I should call that, or what color his hair actually is. It's brown again, but with a red shimmer that makes me think of sun on the water, just at sunset. I can run my fingers through it when he lays his head in my lap. 
He does that often. I'm not sure why. But he likes to read with my hand on his hair. He's always touching me. Small affections, a quick brush of stubble against my cheek, a brush of his hand on my shoulder, a subtle, non-threatening invitation, invasion of my space all the time. A way of saying mine that doesn't hurt. I like it. I like it a lot. And I wasn't expecting to. He holds me and tells me I'm the most beautiful woman in the world, but he does it so softly he thinks I can't hear him. I can. I know he's lying, but when he says that, it doesn't seem to matter. He tells me that I'm loved, lovable. He tells me this every day at 5 p.m. when he gets home from work. He tells this to me as he holds my face in his hands and looks at me. I read somewhere that you should kiss your partner at least twice a day for no less than seven seconds to maintain happiness. He does this naturally, and it amazes me. I sit on his lap, rocking back and forth to feel him deep inside me. I ask him to say those words over and over again, the same ones. I rock, feeling him, vibrating with him, and listen to his voice catch when he tells me what I want to hear. I smell green things and foresty smells against his neck, living things. I don't love him for pleasure, for sex. Other people seem to do that. No, I do it to stamp him in my mind, my psyche forever, to fill up all the pieces of myself I've cut out over the years. When he holds me tighter, it's not pleasure I'm looking for, it's redemption, forgiveness that I can't give myself. I can lean my head against him for any reason. He doesn't mind. He takes my touch as a gift. I can move his hand to cover my own whenever I want. I can rest against him whenever I'm tired, and he'll put his arms around me and say, there's nothing wrong with you. I love you, and you're the most beautiful girl in the world. I could tell him that girl is a patronizing way to disenfranchise women, but instead, I almost believe him. I never had parents. I was never a child. I got a scholarship, passed the GED, the SAT, the ACT, and every other test they invented, and buried myself in school and physics, liking the way the world fit. Everything has a place in physics, at least until you start understanding how little we know. One day I blinked, and science no longer provided answers, just more questions. It no longer told me things I needed to know, things like him. He helps me, occasionally taking me to get clothes or hold my hand at events. He cleans and makes sure I eat. He does the grocery shopping. He doesn't expect anything from me, which is good, because sometimes I don't have anything to give. On Saturday mornings, we have sex for hours. He tells me what to do. I do it. It's a shivery pleasure to let someone else take charge. I like it when he tells me to put him in my mouth and flexes his hands against my hair. I love it when he pins me against the wall and takes me from behind. He knows I need it to hurt sometimes, to remember, to rewrite the past, I think, only with him. The first time, he sat behind me and told me to touch myself with his fingers. I could rock and flex against his hand in just the right places, just the right pressure. It was the first time I'd ever felt pleasure during sex. I finally understood why people were obsessed with it. I wanted him more than anything. I would do anything he asked and trusted him absolutely. It felt delicious to let go like that, to let him be responsible. For the first time, it didn't feel humiliating or shameful to be on my knees in front of a man. For the first time, I could enjoy the sensation of him. It didn't hurt to feel his head, hands on my head. It didn't make me feel dirty, used, or whorish, just excited and melted in the middle anticipatory. I liked it when he held me down and hurt me, just a little, just enough to remember in a new way. I didn't feel ashamed afterwards. I felt liquidy golden. I don't want to share these things. I don't want to say these words or let him know how much I need him. But I have to. If I don't write them, no one will ever know, especially him. I could never tell him. One time, he did something. I don't remember what it was, but I froze. Locked myself up in a fortress. He said I went perfectly still, stiff, and seemed to disappear for days. He said it was the most terrifying experience of his life to watch me disappear like that. He said he wrapped me in a blanket and read to me to try and bring me back, but I don't remember. I wasn't there. He said I shied away from him. Even tiny gestures frightened me too much. He slept on the couch. I don't remember. I'm glad I don't remember. I woke up alone on the third day and crawled into his blanket at 2 a.m. When he woke up and saw me next to him, he started to cry. I didn't understand why or why he held me so tightly for days after. He refused to have sex with me for weeks after that. Until I convinced him to try again. I love the feel of him. I always ask for him to go as slow as possible so I can feel every inch of him filling me up. Sometimes he makes me ask him for what I want, which is always awful. 
Having to speak, having to participate, wakes up old feelings of shame, abandonment, thingness. After all, before, it didn't matter what I wanted. I was just a receptacle. I've never told him about this. Do you think he knows? He knows most things about me just by watching. He accepts them. He never asks about my quirks. He told me I matter. The thought warms me up. Sometimes I ask him to say it again when we're together. Each time he touches me more deeply, as if convincing himself that I'm safe. It makes something in me relax when this happens, and I know in my heart I would do anything for this man. I wish I could show him. I can't. I wish I could give him what he deserves. I can't. Sometimes I can hear my heartbeat match to his in the night, and I know I would fucking die for this man, and it's terrifying. That's the end of episode eight. See you next week, everyone.